On this episode, we discuss... A story where an otherworldly being finds itself on the verge of death and passes its power to a young man so he can use it to fight off an oncoming evil and protect the Earth. No, not Green Lantern. No, not Shazam. That's right, the Animorphs! Welcome to Circle Yerk. I'm Barry. I'm Shawnee. Oh, welcome back in the studio, Shawnee. Thank you. It's very exciting yeah. to be here, even though I have no idea really what we're doing. Well, what, what, what is Circle Yerk? Well, I assume that I have been dragged here to react to books I haven't read. The Animorphs children's books in particular. That's correct. You are the Dan to my Jordan, the Dave to my Gareth. Um, no, I'm the Gareth to your Dave. No one's going to get the reference anyway. Ugh. So yeah, we're here um, to do an Animorphs podcast. Uh, neither Shiny nor myself know much about the Animorphs at all. What do you know about Animorphs, Shiny? All I know is that they are a book series that I probably should have read when I was of the target age, which I think is like 10, but I had already graduated to like way more complex things like Kafka because I was very precocious as a child. Part of the reason that I wanted to make this podcast, too, is definitely, like, I felt like it's something I missed out on when I was younger, because I didn't like reading when I was young, mm -hmm. but also because we've just done a podcast before, and it was just lots of fun. Right. So For sure. I'm excited to be talking about this with you. Before we get into book one, just kind of what I want out of this podcast, and what I'm hoping for, is for it to be as interactive as possible. I want people who listen to this to... Feel free to write in and let us know what they think. I want this to be the kind of podcast that people who listen to it want to listen to, if that makes sense. So yeah, uh, you could write us, send us uh, some information at uh, circleyerk, that's Y-E-E-R-K, at gmail.com. Can you believe Yerkit was already taken? Really? I thought we were going for yerkit.ninja. No, no, we have, so circleyerk.ninja is our website. Our email address is circleyerk. At gmail.com. Yes, I'm pronouncing it yerk and not like yerk. I'm sorry if that bothers <laughs> anyone. So, what am I holding up, Shani? It's it's just a nightmare of a cover. If, if by nightmare of a cover you mean the coolest cover. Well, the thing is, like, it just looks half lizard and half, like, one of those Thomas Kincaid paintings. The fact that you keep, like, moving it around. I'm and moving it around to show you. I know, but the hologram is not working, <laughs> from my angle at least, so it just looks like a deformed snake child uh, on the cover. Uh, I'm going to read the introduction from book one, The Invasion. We should probably get into the fact, yeah, Animorph is a um, young adult children series by K.A. Applegate. I think it's like preteen, no? Well, we're about to find out together. Take my hand as we go on this journey. Oh, my God. Uh, introduction to Chapter 1 of The Invasion. My name is Jake. That's my first name, obviously. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, I, I just... can't get through one sentence. I, I know, but I just don't think I've ever met anyone whose last name is Jake. But, okay, go on. I can't tell you my last name. Uh -huh. It would be too dangerous. 
the controllers are everywhere. And if they knew my full name, they could find me and my friends and then, well, let's just say I don't want them to find me. What they do to people who resist them is too horrible to think about. Jake, have you considered not putting this on paper? Because I feel like you are putting yourself in danger. Well, I like that he's, you know, the, 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 from the, the the first person point of view, this is kind of almost like a, sounds like a war documentary. Like this is, this needs to survive in case I don't sort of a situation. He goes on to say, I won't even tell you where I live. You'll just have to trust me that it's a real place, a real town. It might even be your town. Oh, here we go. This This answers your question. I'm writing this all down so more people will learn the truth. Maybe then somehow, my cousin, no, I skipped the page. Maybe then somehow, <laughs> the human race can survive until the Andalites return and rescue us as they promised they would. Maybe. <gasps> I love that opening. It's a, it's a good opening. I love it. it. It is a good, it captures you for sure. It, it, so first of all, like, you know that like the good guys aren't winning it in this book. It's, it's coming from a place of like, we, we've lost, we need help. Hopefully help will come. Um, but it also makes it relatable. Hi, it might be where you live. Who knows? Ooh. Yeah, or the author is pandering so that everyone can see themselves. That's just... That, I think that's called good writing. No, I think it's pandering. Yeah, but I think it's, it's it, it sets the tone, makes it relatable, and it opens with Jake hanging at the mall at this cool shop that sells comic books and stuff. Wait, that's actually written in the book in that way? Exactly. Well, actually, it's, it's worse. The exact <clears throat> quote is, hanging out at the mall at this cool shop that sells comic books and stuff. You know, the usual. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So in this first uh, chapter specifically, there's a lot of hello, fellow kids. Oh, God. Moments. Oh, and sorry, I should explain for our younger listeners, a mall... Is a place oh, God. where people used to gather. Uh, yeah, malls. Malls used to be cool. Now they're just like just barren places of sadness that might have like a Sears, an Auntie Annie's pretzel, and a store that sells a bunch of suitcases for some reason. But they used to be the place to be. I was at the mall today. Really? And yeah, I happened to be there because like there's one store. At the mall near us, that well, you is convenient. To go to the store at the mall, like you weren't going to the mall. No, I wasn't going to the mall to hang out, but I happened to walk through the mall, and there indeed was a store that sold custom T-shirts, and Auntie Annie's, and seven K jewelers. Yeah. Oh, and uh, so the place that sold T-shirts, they also sell uh, smoking pipes. I don't <laughs> think so. I think it was just T-shirts, but also like emo bracelets. Well, Jake is hanging out with his friend Marco. They are playing. An arcade game, for our younger listeners, arcades are places... Oh my god, can you stop? <laughs> oh, but like, going and hanging out at the mall used to be a thing. And oh yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, no um, one does that. But uh, they're playing a game in the arcade, and Jake is uh, talking to us, the, the reader, about how he's having a bad day. He didn't get picked for the basketball team, which is upsetting. Because, how old is Jake? Uh, well, he's a teenager hanging out at the mall. I should know the answer to this, but like, I would guess him at... Like, how old are you when you're, like, a, a sophomore, junior in high school? You're, like, 15. Yeah. His brother was a big basketball star, and they haven't been, like, you know, it's connecting as much lately. And he was hoping that if he got on the basketball team, maybe his relationship with his brother would improve. But 
that. That's a lot of emotional intelligence for a high school sophomore. Oh, oh yeah, just wait. They're playing this game, and in walks Tobias. From the rest of development? No. Oh, Tobias, okay. Could you imagine? He would hang out at the mall. in the never nude. He would hang out at the mall, though. Oh, yeah, like now, like currently. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Not getting it. Tobias is the the kind kind of weirdo of the group. He has been the victim of a lot of bullying. He's a bit of an outsider. The way that Jake and Tobias met is Jake rescued him from getting a swirly. Do you know what a swirly is, Shawnee? Yeah, of course. I don't know if they had swirlies in Finland. How do you say swirly in Finnish? I don't, we don't have a word for that because I don't think you could have gotten away with that. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, like, maybe, but I don't ever remember anyone getting a swirly because... I don't know if anyone in real life actually did. I think it just happened... Like, on TV shows and in... See, I feel like if there was a person who would have gotten a swirly, you would have gotten a swirly, but you're kind of a big dude. So I feel like people yeah, were intimidated. Taken, would have taken all the all the people <laughs> and a couple of the nuns to get my head in there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, the, the nuns would have been like, absolutely, I approve of this. But he introduces Tobias by saying, uh, Tobias thinks I'm his friend. I liked... Wow. I liked that Savage. Line. It's like it, like honesty. Like, it, it wasn't like, oh, we're all here. We're all friends. Like, there's a level of depth. Depth? De- depth. <laughs> depth. Level of depth. All right. Don't pronounce to, the P so hard. To these characters that, like, a lazier writer could have just been like, oh, and they're all friends hanging out together. But instead, it's like, oh, yeah, he, he thinks we're buddies. Yeah, but also, like... That is, again, like, a little too advanced for, like, uh, a teenager. Oh. I don't know. Marco complains to Tobias about Jake's gaming skills. It, it, he, Marco was, like, the the sarcastic one of the group. He complains Jake didn't realize that in the game uh, the sleaze troll was just after the nether ford. Oh, my God. I care so little right now. It, it's just... Like that's not a thing in a video game. It's like it's like yeah, but you you have to think like it was probably like copyright thing, so you can't mention like Mr. Pac-Man. Oh, we're gonna get back to that in thirty seconds. I'm oh, okay, okay. So they're about to leave, and they bump into Rachel and Cassie. Okay, we're introducing all the characters very right quickly. Away. Yeah, the whole team assembles quickly, and Tobias says, "Maybe I'll just walk home with you guys." You know, nobody invited nobody invited yeah, you Tobias. Yeah. We don't like you. You're well, just around. Jake Jake says, "Sure." <laughs> <laughs> like there's something about not fitting in in general, but even in your group of friends that I think No, but didn't Jake just say that Tobias thinks that they're friends? Right, but like even with the people you're closest to, not even fitting in with them. Yeah. I think there's something particularly kind of sad about that. And I think it's something that I feel like a lot of you know, kids reading this could have related to in some level. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I, the first book twice is my favorite character. He's a tragic character, but I just immediately felt a, a kinship with Tobias. We now get descriptions of the two women that they girl girl what what are you in 16 are you are you a woman yet i think i think you can say girl yeah i think it would be creepy if you called them women yeah okay (laughs) rachel is described as having blonde hair blue eyes 
She's like the clean, wholesome girl. She's into gymnastics. She's known to be very graceful. Okay. Uh, Cassie is uh, has more of a grunge look going oh on. Oh my god! This is what is this Empire Records? No, it's the Breakfast Club. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, that was no. Gonna... It, is, it is literally the Breakfast yeah, Club. Yeah, yeah. Molly have, Ringwald has been the, introduced. The jock, the the jokey, tough guy, the, the nerd, nerd, the athletic woman, and the kind of grunge person. Did you know? Did you know they um they remade the Breakfast Club? By the way. What? Yeah, like relatively recently, um, I, I saw a preview for it. It looked horrible. I think it was called Class Act. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like a reimagining. It was like this. It was just basically the plot of The Breakfast Club. Michael C. Hall was in it as the principal. As the principal. Oh God. Yeah, it looked like a college film project. <laughs> Cassie, though, um, the first. Wait, wait, wait. So Cassie's the hot one. No, no, no. Rachel's the hot one. Rachel's the hot one. Uh, Ca- I mean, I, I don't know that Cassie's not hot. I'm sure I'd be into her. You know yeah, I mean, her. emotional damage. Of course you'd <laughs> think that she was hot. Yes. Um, and Cassie is the uh, first character we know that is a person of color. Cassie is uh, described as a black woman with... Black girl? Woman? Black human female. Uh, <laughs> with short hair, wearing a plaid shirt, and uh, she's a bit quiet. Oh, and Jake is into her. Wow. Uh, Jake actually, he, he describes, he describes, I, I can't believe I didn't put this in my notes. I'm just remembering now. He describes Rachel as, as like being kind of pretty, but you know, I don't think of her that way. Cause she's my cousin. And I'm like, dude, you did just think of her that way. You admitted to all of us. Wait, 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 wait. They're cousins. Rachel and Jake are cousins. Yes. Oh, oh, okay. But he's into Cassie. You're going to get these names. Oh, yeah. Okay. This You're is going to have a, this is going to be a, I, an ongoing problem. I yes. Love it. Yes. I 100%. It. Okay. Um, Rachel's the hot one. The blonde one. Cassie is, is the one that might also be hot. We don't know. I'm going by like high school stereotypes. Oh, here. okay. If, if, if these aren't our opinions, then yes. Yes. They decide to walk home through the old abandoned construction site. Why would you do that? Come on. So I just had a panic attack. I'm like, wait, I hit record, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did indeed hit record. Right. Uh, this construction site they wanted to walk through. And Jake, uh, trying to be a chivalrous gentleman, offers to walk the girls home. Because, you know, since they're girls and all, it might not be safe for them to walk through this construction site. Is this not fucking daylight? You mean like in daytime? Or yeah. That, like you're you referring to the movie daylight? No, okay. no, no, no. Like, like it's no, like there, there it's, are no vampires. Yet. No, but like they're like hanging out after school at the mall. There, there are sketchy areas. There are areas where I wouldn't want to necessarily walk through during okay. daylight. Okay, fine, fine. Offering to walk them home for their protection, huge mistake. Did not sit well with Rachel. Ooh. He says, uh, Rachel thinks she's strong. Oh, God. You know, like Storm from the X-Men. Wait, really? Yeah. They say that in the book. (laughs) So, when we were just talking about mentioning intellectual property, why why would you talk about the Sleaze Troll and the Netherford if there's ever a time to talk about the X-Men... It's playing a video game in an arcade. Yeah. Like when 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 you're in an arcade in the mall, there there only exist three four video games. There's the six player X Men, the four player Simpson, oh my god, the Ninja Turtles, 
and every other one that you didn't play because they weren't those three. Okay, well, maybe Jake didn't like those games and just, just saying, didn't know anything about it, and he loved the Florp Troll game much better. But it's not real. Like, if you want to grab my attention, talk about them playing, like, Area 51 or something. Not the Sleaze Troll by the Netherford, anyway. <laughs> Look, maybe K.A. Applegate just didn't know anything about arcades and wasn't going to do the research. I mean, yeah, I, apparently. Uh, but she You're very upset about this. <laughs> Rachel displeased, uh, but Kathy, uh, Kathy, there is no one named Kathy, but the comic, the comic strip uh, character Kathy comes along and says, <laughs> "Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream." Oh boy! Uh, but then Cassie, the character in this book that we're talking about, says, uh, "You know, I wouldn't mind them coming along. You might not be afraid of anything, Rachel, but I am." I hate this when like teenagers are just have like so much self-awareness i'm like just be like assholes because everyone at like 15 <laughs> yeah. is an asshole yeah totally full of yourself other people don't exist or yeah you're not gonna think about like oh let me just walk her home because she might be scared like that's no, not you're gonna walk her home because you want to look like sh- chivalrous because you want to get a hand job right exactly yes exactly exactly but these are characters we have each of the archetypes you have Jake, he's the main dude. Wait, honestly, if someone offered me, like, a hand job behind a Wendy's and a Frosty afterwards, I think that would be, like, actually a really good date. <laughs> Only if you got fries as well so you could dip them in the Frosty. Oh, see, I'm not into that, but, like, you do you. That's fine. <laughs> uh, Marco, a sarcastic tough guy. Tobias, outcast nerd archetype. Uh, Rachel, the pretty athletic, kind of portrayed as Ms. Perfect on the outside. Cassie, a shy, quiet type. And then they walk out of the mall and their lives change forever. (gasps) Man, that would have been a great spot for an ad break. (laughs) Really would have been. I was going to do the whole like made up ads that I did in our last one. But like it's too much effort for like a bit that doesn't really pay off. Sorry. So they cut through the abandoned construction site to go home. It's this large, isolated area described as having uh, steel beams, pipes, all these half-constructed buildings littered with beer cans and liquor bottles. Not a a great place to be. It's the pit from Parks and Rec. It is the pit from Parks and Rec. Where is Leslie? I miss early Parks and Rec. I miss second season Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah. First season was trash. Tobias all of a sudden stops and points upwards. They see a blue light (gasps) coming down from the sky. The aliens are coming. The aliens are coming indeed. So the the rest of the gang, they're they're freaking out. And this blue light is slowly coming down and they realize it is approaching them. The ship is described as being uh, blue, egg-shaped in the front with two wings. Okay. A couple of, like, warp nacelles on the side. Okay. And then a scorpion tail in the back, almost like a weapon. Okay. I'm just trying to, like, egg shape at the front. Blue egg shape in the front. Uh Uh-huh. Two wings. Uh Uh-huh. With little little glowing, like, engines on the side. Think like the Enterprise. Yeah. And then a little scorpion tail coming out the back. So it's a plane with a scorpion tail. You don't have a, a very vivid imagination, do you, Shani? No, I'm just like, that's where I'm landing at. 
well, this is, you know, for, for the kids, this is terrifying, exciting. They realize their hair is standing up from the static electricity. Electricity? electricity. Yeah, electricity. What was the other word I couldn't say? I already forgot. Fuck, I don't remember. Is it's terrifying. Kathy. <laughs> Kathy's like, oh no, what is this? And the ship starts to land in front of them. And they notice that this spaceship has been uh, damaged. <gasps> oh my God. You're They're sorry. coming in for refuge. You are in this situation. Sound, sound like a Republican. No, you are in this situation right now. What do you do? What's your reaction? Tell me what you feel. Oh, get the fuck out of there, and then the whole book series doesn't exist. Yeah, just run. run yeah, away, you're fine. Yeah, like you and Kathy, just book it out. Kathy and I are at O'Doul's down the street <laughs> having a whiskey because we had a traumatic experience that we will never speak of again until our deathbeds. Okay. Well, in the most prime example of uh, of Hello Fellow Kids writing, the kids say, "We should call the authorities." <laughs> wait, wait. We'd be famous for discovering a UFO. Uh, We'd even get to be on Letterman. Wait, what? Yeah. K.A., if you're listening, hey, <laughs> please come on our podcast sometime. If you're even still alive, I don't know. I didn't Google this. I would th- I would think so. Like, K- when would these written, like, 25? Maybe talking to K.A.'s ghost? I don't know. If you're listening, <laughs> knock, <laughs> knock twice. <laughs> but, but if you're listening, yeah, that's... That's not a relatable thing for no no child. I mean, a kid in even, but even like a kid in like 1994 or whenever these books were written, still wouldn't have been down. Like, would no child isn't even the right word either. Like, it's hard to. (laughs) Is there a word for the teenager? It's a teenager, yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, excited about the potential to be on Letterman because they discovered this UFO. Yeah, I would just run screaming. Well, Tobias does not run screaming. He approaches the ship. And says, can we be friends so I can be on Letterman? (laughs) No, no, he's cautious. He yells, we won't hurt you. Oh, but what if they want to hurt you, Tobias? I mean, they're in a spaceship. What do you have? Probably just like a giant wallet on a chain on your Jenko jeans at this point (laughs) that you could use as a weapon. I'm assuming he has like a spiked bracelet oh see i just assume tobias has a backpack on wheels yeah yeah oh my god yeah right every one of them would have a skateboard and eventually we're going to review the tv show too i bet there's a lot of skateboards in the tv show oh my god but uh he says we won't hurt you and a voice says in their heads (gasps) i know oh my god they can read their minds like you could read that anyway like the voice could be like yeah i know Bitch, please. Like, yeah, clearly you're not going to hurt me. I know. <laughs> yeah. I uh, know, but the voice says, I know. You're nerdy 14-year-old buddy. Uh, and then a doorway of light opens from the front of the ship and out walks the... David Letterman. David Letterman. Hey, guys. <laughs> this was all just a skit, skit on the show. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, no, out walks uh, our first alien. Uh, that we see in this series. Oh, a first alien. You're telling me there's going to be more than one? Oh, shit. I should have said spoiler alert there. <laughs> yes. Now, this alien is described as looking like the fusion of a person and a deer. Oh, I was going to say this is about to get real racist real quick. <laughs> How 
did your mind go there? Oh, what so, did you think? Because I just assume anything committed onto a, into a book before like 2010 is going to be hella racist. It would just look like the fusion between a person and a Native American. <laughs> like, what did you think? They were? I, I don't think they would have said Native American. I was going to say if like they were going to be racist. They would have been like really racist. Right, no, but no. no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I mean, it could have happened. No, I, no, no. I would be zero percent surprised. Describe. <laughs> Uh, a fusion of a person and a deer. So it had a human torso, but that torso had blue skin with blue and tan fur. Oh my god. Is this the origin story of Avatar? Oh my goodness. I don't I didn't even think of that. I mean if, but I mean these so these creatures have uh have four legs. Okay. No mouth. Which I think is the most disturbing part. Uh just three vertical slits where a mouth would be. Okay. And immediately I'm like wonder if they get freaky with those. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, But then they have two regular eyes, where one would expect there to be eyes. Okay. And two additional eyes on their antennae. Okay. So, like, little deep-sea blobfish. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, if you remember, like, like what, what sea monkeys kind of looked like with the... I mean... It, no, it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Yeah, and, and fun fact, I went out of my way not to use the word centaur, because centaurs are uh, half horses. Do you know what it is called when it is a half person, half deer? I feel like you should know this. Um, I feel like the second you say it, I'm going to be like, oh, of course. A servitor. Oh, no. Okay, yes. So, two eyes coming out of the antennae, which, fun fact, the plural of antenna, I did not know this. Is antennae? No. At antennas? No, no. Fun fact for pedantic assholes, the plural of antenna is antennae when describing a protrusion from the head of a creature like an insect. Okay. But it's antennas when talking about things like instruments or electrical equipment. Oh, that makes sense. I don't know any other words where the plural changes depending on context. It's Latin derivative, so I feel like if you are describing something that's in the zoological world, I'm fine with that. Oh, you're one of those people who says octopi. No, because that is not the correct one. It's octopuses. So, this creature has a large, curved scorpion tail. It looks harmless until you see that tail. Okay, so it's like a cute blue deer with antennae and a scorpion tail. Right, and, and also, do you remember how we described the spaceship? Yeah. As being blue with a scorpion tail. Yeah. Like, that's some interesting design choice. Like, imagine going to NASA and being like, all right, we have an idea for a spaceship. It's, it's going to be man-shaped. Yeah, it's going to have arms and legs, and it's going to be uh, flesh-colored. But you know, if, you know NASA would make a dick-shaped spaceship <laughs> like they just would i mean they, they kind of also they kind yeah, of are yeah, if you think about it yeah there's something phallic about them in nature but yeah so this the servitor, shape the shape is the phallic part anyway go on this servitor comes out of the ship uh, and tobias as the first one to greet it. tobias says hello someone who's weirder than me i'm yeah. so glad you're here I'm going to bully this guy. Right, exactly. Quick, quick. Shit rolls downhill, buddy. Get him in the toilet. We're giving him a swirly. <laughs> Tobias is actually quite empathetic. Oh, um, it's because Tobias knows the pain. Right, right. Tobias is like a Philly brother. Now he staggers uh, out of the ship. They see that his body uh, is burned 
And the alien uh, tells them in this telepathic voice of his that he is dying. Also, uh, I don't know. So to have this creature have human torso, four legs, scorpion tail, and telepathy, what evolutionary route had to progress here? Like what, what the road from single-celled organism to this thing had to be very long and complicated. I know it's a children's book, it's fun, it's fantasy, but practically, I can't see how like a creature like this would come about. How do you not? A blue lobster had sex with Christopher Robin, clearly. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Yeah. So uh, Cassie says that uh, maybe they can get help for this creature. After all, her parents are veterinarians. Wait, so they're on this construction site next to the mall that seems to be the place to hang out, and no one is paying any attention to this alien landing there? It's a large construction site. Okay. But yeah, Cassie's parents are veterinarians. Uh, I have a hunch that her having veterinarian parents will come in pretty handy throughout a series Called Animorphs. That, that's pretty animal heavy. I'd be shocked if that were just thrown in there and never utilized. Like, this is this is a case of Chekhov's veterinarian parents. It's going to be really funny when this is just the story of Cassie's parents winning the Nobel Prize in, like, biology. <laughs> captured one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> call the president. Call Letterman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Letterman is going to be the first call. But I do like that it's like, oh, my parents are veterinarians because obviously this is going to be utilized. But it could like lazy a lazy writer would have been like, my dad's the security guard at the zoo, and he often falls asleep on a chair outside the exhibit <laughs> with a large ring that has keys on it attached to his belt. Oh, and all the other security guards wear masks that cover their face. Yeah, like this. This was. This was. I like that. It seems real. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Um, but Blue Bambi uh, says, uh, no, it's fatal. I am dying. He's very calm about dying. Yeah, this this alien seems, the more you get to know about him, the more uh, he seems um, like just... Supernatural? No, like like, <laughs> like like he's got his shit together. Like, like he would seem like really comfortable at like a meditation retreat. Okay. You know, he seems like like he's he's found inner peace. Okay. Uh, so Jake says, "No, you you can't die. You're the first alien to come to Earth." And he uh, responds, <laughs> "Oh no 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 no." Yeah. Oh oh my sweet summer child. No. But uh, he responds. <laughs> These kids are way too calm in this situation. I'm unhappy with this. Well, I mean, there's a level of of like shock. There's that adrenaline rush, like. But what are you going to do? You're in the situation. you, you got to deal with what's in front of you. Yeah, I guess so. I just wouldn't have stuck around. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. He responds, no, I'm, I'm not the first. There are actually a shitload of aliens. On this you planet. are the aliens on your own planet. Get out of here. <laughs> blew my mind. Jake says, wait, there are other aliens like you? And he says, no, not like me. They're different. They have come to destroy you. <gasps> oh no. And again, that would have been such a good spot for an ad break. <laughs> oh. No, and that is the end of just the second chapter of the book. So the, Oh we're, good god. We're moving through this. Like this, I mean, sorry, we're, Are we? <laughs> the book is moving through it. We are getting sidetracked every moment. Yeah, fair enough. There's going to be a lot of that. 
But he explains that there is a race of aliens called Yerks. <gasps> yes, now you get the name of the podcast. Now you get the title of the podcast you're on. Okay, great. I feel like I'm almost a part of this enterprise. Yeah, and again, I'm going to slip and pronounce it Yerks because A, it rolls off the tongue more easily, and B, it works better with the name what? of the podcast. Wait, wait, wait. What's the difference? Yerk and, and, and what I'm assuming is the proper way, which is Yerk. Yerk. Right, that's not a fun word to say. No, it's not, it sounds like you're describing a fart in Minnesota. Yerk. Yerk. That's like you fart into your snow pants in January. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I don't. It sounds like like an action word. Like, like, oh, I'm gonna yerk this old Milwaukee right over the. the you know what I mean? Like, it does sound. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had a tough day in the mines. I could yeah. yerk, yerk, yerker schlitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he explains yerks have no body of their own. You see, they live in the bodies of other species. Ooh. He says they're kind of like a... Invasion of the body snatchers. Oh, yes. So I, I, I'm I, taking this podcast probably a bit more seriously than I ought to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've done... I've watched every movie or TV show and read every book involving similar situations. That is a, a pretty bold claim. Uh, I watched The Faculty... I oh, I love that movie. It's a great movie. Uh, John Stewart. Yeah, John Stewart's yeah. the teacher, the, the principal. Faculty and Death to Smoochie. That was his. <sighs> that was his film career. I mean, honestly, that's probably some, that's a very good film career. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he knows when to quit. Uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, the best was, and I, I really want to take a moment to recommend this book, uh, not only because it relates to the material but it's also just a damn good book the puppet masters by robert heinlein mm. uh and i i have a hunch that k applegate read that book and was like oh yeah that's what i'm talking about uh -huh. like, it was a great book it was it was from the point of view of someone who had their body taken over by little worm alien things being taken over made them okay with being taken over it was it was it was written beautifully okay I, i'm not doing a service the puppet masters so he goes on to explain that he, he's dying from his wounds and he mentally projects this image of okay. a yerk. And it is a slimy green slug described as being about the size of a rat. It's flubber. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Do you remember the movie with Robin Williams, Flubber? Robin, I thought that was Eddie Murphy. No, it's Robin Williams. He plays like a crazy scientist. Oh, what's Robin Williams? Well, that was a remake of the movie The Absent-Minded Professor oh. from the 60s. No, not because oh, that's why I was thinking of Eddie Murphy, because oh. Eddie Murphy was in a newer movie called The Absent-Minded Professor. So they were both remakes of The Absent-Minded Professor, and they say there's no original ideas in Hollywood anymore. <laughs> Crazy. Two remakes of a obscure 60s movie. But as he's explaining about the Yerks, who take over their hosts... He's dying, and the, the gang can actually uh, feel and experience the pain and the sadness that this alien, this yet unnamed alien, is experiencing. And that bothers me. Like, Blue Bambi. Think, like, Blue Bambi. Really bonding here. They're talking about... They've the also Yerks. known each other for 90 seconds. Yeah, but you think, like... It'd be, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm Tobias, by the way. What, what's your name? Okay, sorry. Continue. Yeah, well, that's a lot of extra stuff that you don't need because it would break the tension of this very scary situation 
I'm glad that we aren't worried about cutting things that are extra that you don't need, because this podcast would be four minutes long. <laughs> he goes on to explain that the Yerk enters the host's body and takes it over. At this point, the Yerk is referred to as a controller rather than a Yerk, which seems like an extra unnecessary step. What? Wait. But it sounds kind of cool, so whatever. So controller and Yerk are the same thing. So I, I think the controller is the is the sprite. Okay, so let's say let's say I'm holding a yerk in my hand. You're I, holding a yerk in your hand. God, I am so attracted to you. Right now. <laughs> this is a yerk. You are shiny. Yes. Now let's say the yerk takes control of your body. Okay. The yerk shiny com combination hybrid, I believe is now called a controller. See, it would make more sense if it was the other way around. Like, once controller takes hold of your body, you become a yerk. No, that wouldn't... Uh, oh, I guess, yeah. Anyway... Speaking I, of some of the research I did, so this has um, a lot uh, also familiar with the OG uh, SG-1, uh, the first several seasons of Stargate, uh, when they were fighting the Gwauld, mm. uh, were also parasitic, worm-like creatures that would kind of take over the host's and have access to to their their memory. I think they had access to their memories, but getting ahead of myself. He says the Yerks like to try to get the hosts to submit voluntarily because that makes the takeover of their body a bit easier. Otherwise, the hosts are able to resist a little bit. It sounds so rapey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really wish you hadn't put that in my head. I'm sorry. That's like, it's just, that's just what, oh. what was put on paper. So he says the Yerk, to keep Yerks away from unattended cocktails at parties. <laughs> and the reason that he is injured and his ship is, is, is burnt up is because he says, quote, swarms of their bug fighters were waiting when our dome ship came out of sea space. But they also had a blade ship. <gasps> which this alien species was not quite prepared to take on. These teenagers must be like, what the fuck are you on about? You know me. This is the kind of sentence in a book that I live for. Right. I'm like, I don't care about these kids anymore. I want to know everything there is to know about sea space. Right, of like, course. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I hope that's not the only mention of sea space in these books. I right, want, right, right, I want right, to right. know everything about it. I want to know the designs of blade ships and bug fighters. <laughs> also, this blue Bambi who's dying, apparently, is very articulate and patient. He is taking a long time to die. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, you got to uh, you got to set the uh, you got to set the, the first book. This is the worst expo I've ever heard. You got to. Uh, no, no, I will defend it. I don't think that's bad. I think I think to find a way to get the information out to both the children and the audience at the same time. I love how you say as if children aren't the audience. What? I, oh, uh, children, I, you mean like the characters. Right, right, right. right, right. Sorry, the teenagers. Yeah, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, I want to I wanna be in Sea Space taking notes. See, to me, Sea Space is like so close to Sea Org from oh, Scientologist. Scientology. I'm like, yeah. I, I, I too want to hang out with, you know, L. Ron Robert on... What's it called? Oh, the, man, the... I hope there's not a bunch of Scientologists in Sea Space. <gasps> I mean, if there are any people in Sea Space, it would but, be the Scientologists. But anyway, so he's like all like bug fighters, pff, no biggie. I, oh, that's going to sound bad in the recording, huh? Yeah. 
Um, no biggie. We could deal with that. But the blade ship, ooh, that, that got us, and that's why we're here. And he warns them, uh, by the way, uh, I didn't exactly escape. They're on their way right here, right now, to finish me off. Blue Bambi. And destroy all evidence of him being there. Well, what? it's just a lot of emotional labor that is being put on these children right now. Oh, it is. It, oh, yes, it, it really is. And that's kind of an ongoing theme. And, okay. And, and well, anyway. I don't want to get too far into it. Um, but uh, Cassie's like, how are they going to destroy you uh, and all evidence that you were here? Because they're like, they can't destroy. You have a whole spaceship. And the alien, uh, she still doesn't have a name, uh, replies that their Dracon beams obviously are, av- are able to destroy the ship down to the very molecule. Oh, of course. I'm Naturally. Like, yes, baby. Show me these Dracon beams. I want to know all about them. I want to know how they work in sea space. Let me guess. They never get mentioned again. Well, still book one. We'll okay, see. I mean, okay. yeah. I mean, Dra- Dracon beams come, come right back. Okay. Go. Oh, I hope I hope they're in all the books. I hope I can I can understand the specs behind Dracon beam weapons. I love this. He explains that on his way to land, he sent a message to his people, and they are like. Is their mission in life to fight the Yerks. They're like the Yerk Patrol. Okay. That's why his people exist. They'll send help, but it might take some time to get here. Maybe up to a year or so. But he's dying. How's he going to send for help? No, he sent them a message. Okay. And now he's dying. Got it. Okay. So the fax is processing through sea space. Exactly. Yes. Got it. But by that time, by the time they arrive, the Yerks... Well, we've already taken control of the planet. It well, Blue Bambi, why don't you just die and let the rest of the people die? Like, you're no help. You're just taking up st- up time. He's not done with the exposition. Okay. He says that this group of teenagers, they need to warm warm their people. They need to get some heaters, light a fire, and warm them up. Blankets. Yeah, blankets. He needs to warm. But then once that's done, they need to warm <laughs> their people. But... Who's going to believe a bunch of kids? Oh, no. Who is? The alien guy has an idea how to solve this problem. Oh, my God. Are they going to, like, get on top of each other inside a trench coat? And they're going to pretend that they're an adult and <laughs> go go to talk to the authorities? Fake mustache. Fedora. Fake yes, yes. Black sunglasses. I, I, I like this plan. It sounds very solid. <laughs> but then they get distracted, and instead of alerting the authorities, they just go by beer. Mm, absolutely. Uh, see an R-rated movie. No, his idea is, uh, he says, go go inside the ship and get me my blue box. Why is everything blue? Yeah, they really enjoy that color. Uh-huh. Uh, as a group, they seem to wordlessly agree they, they, that Jake is going to be the one to go inside. They're like barely friends. How are they telepathically communicating with each other? This is some serious trauma bonding. Well, they're not telepathic. No, no, this isn't like... Supernatural. I mean, the this alien. This is bonding yes, over trauma while but, trauma but, is happening. But yeah, yeah, it's like it's like a, almost like a wartime bond, I would guess. Mm. But it's not tele- telepathy. It's like just human intuition. Like they all kind of like look over at Jake, and it's like, well, you're you're gonna go inside, obviously. Uh, and this is the start of Jake becoming the de facto leader of the group. I'm sorry, he was already described as like the cute and funny and popular one. We knew he was gonna be the leader. Uh, no, t- Marco was funny. <laughs> Uh, but Jake... No, Jake is the one who was like the first lines in the book. Obviously, Marco is not the leader. Come on. True, true, yes. Also, Marco sounds like he might not be white, so... 
so that hasn't been established yet. Um, I'm not sure. I did a little like Googling. There's a lot of Animorphs fan art, honey. Oh, I do not want to oh, see any lot. of it. Well, but, but also, so I didn't get too deep into it because I wanted like kind of a blank slate to go from. But I'm like, okay, we know they end up with the ability to turn into animals. What? <laughs> Is that what the title well, of the series means? Well, like they can do some kinky shit with that. Like I, I don't know whether or not that's the case, but I know the internet well enough to know oh, that there rule is t- rule thirty four. There, there is a picture out there, probably several pictures of Jake like doing unseemly things to a cat. Not a cat, sorry, not a cat. Of a human being in the form of a cat, which makes it better because it's consensual. Is it? <laughs> anyway, go on. Where was I? I don't know, but I'm concerned. Right, right. Blue box. Go get the blue box because everything's blue. Jake realizes he's kind of in charge. So he goes, gets the the box. Tobias is comforting the dying alien. And Jake brings out this small, heavy, blue cube mm-hmm. and puts his dick in it. No. Um, <laughs> small, heavy, blue cube. And the alien says he can give them some power that might help them fight the Yerks. It's a piece of Andalite technology. Andalite. We've yep. heard that name before. No, we haven't. It was in the... When Jake was describing in the very beginning. Oh, yeah! Yeah. You remembered a thing! I know. That's really impressive. I'm Good so, for you. I'm so proud of myself. That, I, well done. Well done. Yes. Thank yes. you. Wow! Um, the the Andalite, uh, we now have a name for this race, finally. The Yerks... Wait, so the Blue Bambi is an Andalite? An Andalite, yes. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. The Yerks don't have this technology... He says, this is what has enabled the Andalites to pass unnoticed in different parts of the universe. It gives them the ability to morph. <gasps> That's right. It's morphin' time. No, please keep going. No, I'm not. I think. <laughs> so, morphing enables you to change your body to become any other species, any oh, animal. Oh shit! Is that what morphing means? To change from one thing thing to another? Believe it or not. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that. I was lost. All you have to do is touch one of these animals to acquire their DNA pattern. Ooh, you gotta be real careful what you're touching. Yeah, and I have, I have, so, so my brain, I have so many questions. What's going to happen if you touch another human? Is it going to be like when you take a screenshot of a screenshot of a screenshot and just degrades is in it, quality? Are, are they going to multiplicity them? I don't know. Right. Um, also, can, can, I mean, I, I, if, if, if in this entire series of books, they never use it to morph into another human, I will be furious because yeah, see, that that's is the, amazing. That is the first thing that I would do. It's like, oh, some, yeah. it's like polyjuice potion. E- exactly. But, but also like, okay, but like, okay. Wait, 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 the, wait, 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 time out. If you could morph into another human being, dead or alive right now, who would you be? Wow, you put me on the spot. Um, you got five seconds to come up with an answer. Four, three, two, one, answer. I don't know why Ronda Rousey was the first person <laughs> to come to mind. I don't know. I can't explain that. <laughs> that is not what I expected. I, I mean, either. It just... Like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, Ronda Rousey just popped into my head. That's incredible. That's a, that's a great answer. Yeah. Is it because you would want to feel masculine for the first time ever? Oh, 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 oh that burns. 
well done. I'd clap, except it would make for terrible audio. Um, I would be Martha Stewart. I can see that. If, oh, yeah. Because she just seems like she has the best time, and she's is so it... judgmental and snobby. Also, yeah. she's like 80, and her skin is amazing. Also, she went to fucking prison and like taught people to make cupcakes. It's hilarious. Be honest. It's just because you'd want to hang out with Snoop Dogg. I didn't say that, but that's not not a perk. My my issue with this is okay. Well, if it's about DNA, let's say I touch. Uh, we so so hi, hi listeners. We have many dogs. Uh, I'm going to name one of our dogs, who hopefully you'll never hear barking in the background. But if I touch Bruno, okay, I uh-huh. acquire his DNA. You get so dumb so fast. <laughs> but like, how would I be an exact copy? Because your age isn't part of your DNA. Like, I could be a puppy Bruno, I could be an old Bruno. You'd be like a Bruno, but you'd be 41 in human years? <laughs> I just, I, I don't know, I don't know, I have questions about the, the science behind this, but then I realized, oh, it's just a fucking children's book. Relax, man. Yeah. Enjoy it. Anyway, but so if you touch that? I, I do hope that these issues get addressed. You know I like that, like, that. Oh, stuff. 100%, 100%. So the uh, Andalite tells them uh-huh. that there are problems, dangers and limitations with morphing but there's no time to explain right now so it has to be other fauna uh, sorry other fauna that you could morph into like you can't morph into like if i touch the wall and it happens to me made of pine you can't morph into a pine tree that's a fucking great question i want to know the answer <laughs> i feel like you have to be really careful what, what you're if touching you touch a corpse <gasps> what if you touch a baby I have so many questions. What if you touch a mutilated opossum on on the side of the road? Yeah, but I have so many questions. You become a zombie. Zombie opossum. That'd be so cool. But uh, apparently there's there's limitations, dangers, and problems, but there's no time to explain right now, which is the worst trope in all of writing. Yes. The laziest writing. Oh, I didn't feel like coming up with any other things because there's more questions than answers yeah. and we got to keep this like, moving. Oh, there's all of a sudden no time to explain. You've been dying for the past half hour explaining everything. <laughs> but all of a sudden now there's a ticking clock. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. And this, conveniently to the plot, is when they look up and they see red lights in the <gasps> sky. Oh, I see blue versus red. Eh? Eh? Opposing sides. You get it? No, honey, it's the bug fighters. Oh. That's the name of the York ship from earlier. Yeah, got it, got it, Just, got just it. checking. They need to decide quickly. Are they going to uh, use this Morphin box? Marco doesn't want to. This is too much for Marco. He's not having this. The yeah. The rest of them are confused. Obviously, Tobias is down for whatever. So Tobias just wants to have an experience where somebody doesn't hate him. I think... I could totally see Tobias like using it to like turn into a squirrel to get up on the 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 window ledge to like watch <laughs> his cousin getting changed. I just I don't know him that well, but that's the impression I get. Wow. Um, but they need to disguise. Yeah, disguise. They need to disguise, so, which is anamorphs. Oh, I can't say words today. They need to decide whether they're going to do this. And Jake looks around at his friends. His funny, sometimes annoying best friend Marco, Rachel, his smart, smoking hot cousin, Cassie, <laughs> who is described as liking animals more than she likes people. Um, yeah, that's because they're better. Yeah. And Tobias. And when he looked at Tobias. Wait, Tobias doesn't get a description. <laughs> well, he gets the best description. 
He goes for the box. Tobias, a chill came over him. Jake decides they don't really have a decision. There's no choice. They have to do this to save their lives, to to fight the Yurks, to save humanity. Dude, what? Who is looking for, like, he has a hero complex. Get the fuck out, Jake. You can't decide for the whole group. Well, I mean, they're, they're totally okay with him deciding for the group. After all, he has one special power that no one else in the group has. He is a straight-coded white male. Of course. He's clearly the leader of this group. I don't know why I questioned anything. Yes, come on. Of course. Jake can decide everything about everyone's lives. The Endolite instructs them to each place one hand on the surface of the cube, illustrating how extremely lucky they were that they didn't have another friend or two traveling with them. (laughs) That would have been real awkward. (laughs) Shit, guys, there's only six sides to this cube. Uh, Hey, Kathy and Dave, you guys can't morph. Rude. Um, but as they place their hands on the cube, a shock ran through them, and the Andalite leaves them with a warning. Never stay in animal form for more than two of your Earth hours. Can't wait for Tobias to stay in animal form for two days and never get out of it. Oh, no. Did I just put, come up with spoilers? That... that... That's literally I mean, the second book. <laughs> no. It's literally this book. No, they don't wait for the second book. Oh, it's did this. Did you just like, <laughs> did you just sarcastically guess the ending of the book? Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that. Yeah. So, but, but. Anyway, let's, let's in pretend, book two. Let's both now, let's both you and I pretend that that didn't just happen. Well, I that do. That was incredible. I do read a decent bit. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I can, I can see some things coming up so one thing that i didn't say is at the book uh when at the beginning of the book uh when 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 um, jake first kind of meets tobias he says uh tobias was i mean is a strange guy oh god and like so there are little bits of foreshadowing that like something happens to tobias uh, in the writing got it but i love it don't don't stay for any more than two of your earth hours like, you're talking to Earthlings. You don't need to say, of your Earth hours. Mm-hmm. You need to say two hours. Like, they're not going to be like, well, wait, to, to what to what two hours is that? Mars hours? Andalite <laughs> hours? I don't get it. Yeah. But, the, but I, I, I know I'm being extra It's pedantic. setting the scene. But you also can't just have him say two hours either, because then I would be complaining, well, how does an alien know about hours? Like, it, it's just, it's a no-win situation. Yeah. But, like... Sorry, I'm just going to go off for a minute. I I feel like in fiction, there's only one of three ways for, like, aliens to talk about time. There's, like, two of your Earth hours, and then there's, like, seven Voldars. (laughs) Or my favorite, the the unambiguous and poorly defined cycle. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, But two hours is the maximum amount of time... Again, a little nitpicky, I would have been happier for, like, a less round number. It would have made it feel more realistic if it was, like, no, for no longer than two of your Earth hours and 13 of your Earth minutes. Yeah. But, whatever. It's a book. He tells him, if you remain in animal form for more than two hours, you'll be trapped in that animal form. Cool. Can't wait for Tobias to be a snail for the rest of his life. Hey, not far off. <laughs> the Andalite looks into the sky 
as if he senses something and the says, "Stupidity of Tobias." No, Visser Three, he comes. <gasps> Visser Three. I know. Is he coming from space? Space? Does he have Dracon beeves? I want to know more about this. Mm. Jake's like, "Well, who or what is a Visser Three? This is the most clunky expo I've ever heard. They get it all out of the way in the first book. And also that's going to make this podcast a little longer because yeah, get we're it, get it. with all this expo. Oh, and because we just get taken off course talking about Breakfast Club sequels and uh, the plural form. L. Ron Howard, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't mispronounce a word without making a bit out of it. Right. Um, but he says, you need to run. Visser Three is the deadliest of all your enemies. He's the only Yurk who can morph. <gasps> so he's a Yurkamorph? God damn, why didn't we name the podcast Yurkamorph? <laughs> that would have been good too. Oh, so another little aside, right? When I'm like, ooh, Animorphs podcast, that'll be fun. We'll have like an interesting little audience because like it's 2023, right? How, how many Animorphs podcasts are out there? Literally like seven five hundred. Who else is going to have the idea to make an Animorphs podcast? At least 12 other people. I'm going to read you a short list of Animorphs podcasts. Podspeak, Middle Morph Millennials, Thoughtspeak, The Millennial Agenda, Sporadic Phantoms, The Escafil Files, Centipedes and Slugs, Animorons, Animorphing Time podcast. That's a terrible an name. Anim- it really was. There's some real bad ones in here, too. Some great ones. An Animorphs Book Club podcast. That's terrible. The Morph Report. Mm. Andalite Bandits. Mm. Animorphology. Animorphs Th- Allowed. This is too many already. L-O-U-D. Well, we're, we're adding to this pool. Animorphs Unabridged. Jash Reads. Animorphs Discussion. Animorphs Wait, Josh Anonymous. Reads? Jash. Jash Reads. Okay. Animorphs Anonymous, Animorphs Initiative, Animorphs the Radio Drama, Uncensored. Wait, Radio Drama? Audiomorphs, Fandalite Academy, The Fandalites, Fanamorphs, The Dark Bajir Chronicles. Uh, what? Okay. Franamorphs. What? Minds at Yerk, The Morph Club, The Opinionated Animorphs Book Guide, uh, Project Animorph. So what you're saying is there's a few. The Great Animorph Reread. Oh my god. The Hindsight. The Sharing. The Sulpnayer Pool. So what are we doing here? The Wonder Yerks. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a real good one. I mean, I feel like Circle York is pretty good. I, I'm glad. I'm happy with that one. Yeah, yeah, I feel pretty good about that one. Wonder Yerks is good. Wonder Yerks is good. Sorry. So anyway, Bug Fighters. Coming down. <laughs> Visser 3. Yerk, he can morph. Wait, are these still run. names of podcasts, or are you describing the book again? <laughs> I described what was happening. <laughs> okay. I'm finally back to the book. Okay. Tobias doesn't want to leave this Andalite, though. He wants to save the alien. But alien's like, you guys got to get the fuck out of here. But they live on Earth. Well, got to get out of this construction site, away from the spaceship. <sighs> Everyone runs. Okay. But Tobias, he's not leaving this poor little wounded baby Bambi. The Andalite presses his hand against Tobias's head. Tobias looks shocked for a moment, but then he gets up and runs and joins the others. Did he just get, like, b- Andalite blessed? There, I think there was some kind of information transfer. There's some... So, I mean, this Andalite Expo can't go on forever. It feels so like we we've been here for 45 years. To keep the exposition going. Fair I enough. I think this is going to be it. Okay. Red lights come down from the sky. 
bug fighters. So the kids run and hide. The bug fighters land, and Visser's Three's blade ship is about to land. <gasps> oh, it's about to land, but there's a truck in the way, so it's having a hard time landing. Oh, wait, no, the truck disintegrates. Boom, Dracon beams, <gasps> baby. Yes. Oh, my God. Out of sea space, Dracon beams on full power. I am so excited to see Dracon beams. Okay. Like, they just disintegrate things. I want to know their power source. I want to know their you're maximum not, output level. You, you're not gonna range. Get, you're not going to get any of this information. You know that. I don't know that. I'm hopeful. Okay, you're delusional, but go on. Creatures walk out of the ship, described as being large creatures. Yerks. With, oh, no, no, no. Yerks are little baby creatures. I mean, they might be controllers. Okay. But these are big creatures. They have bent back legs. Okay. Long arms. With curved back horn blades coming out so, of the arms. Think like Barak from like the Mortal Kombat games. Uh, oh. <laughs> They're scorpion tails for arms. No, just like little, little uh, blades coming out. Okay, okay. Uh, blade horns coming out of their legs. Uh, tails with blade horns coming out of them. You get the theme here. Horns and blades. They look like they have giant T-Rex feet. But their neck comes out and it looks like they have a little snake head. That has a beak on it like a falcon with three horns on the top of their head. So many horns. So many horns. Are you able to kind of envision these creatures? Little falcon beak, little, little bitty snake head, big T-Rex legs, horn blades everywhere. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We just met our first Hork-Bajir. Oh, oh, goodness gracious. That's right. The end light tells us that these are Hork-Bajir controllers. Hork-Bajir controllers? Yes. This is a mix-and-match buffet that I was not expecting. Yeah, the Hork- I mean, we're meeting a lot of aliens at once. The Hork-Bajir are the second species we actually meet. Uh, they seem much more an- uh, much more evolutionarily plausible than the Andalites. I can see a, a Hork-Bajir evolving naturally under certain conditions of yeah, the Yeah, it's like the Biff timeline from Back to the Future 2, but for dinosaurs, and you end up with Hork-Bajirs. I'm going to keep going. Um, <laughs> the Andalites explain that hork are actually a good people, but they've been taken over by the Yerks and are to be pitied. Wow. Rude. I love how this opens up the door to possible, like, ethical quandaries. <laughs> no, I really do. Because, so, again, I did way too much research in related material and shows, and it immediately made me think of uh, when the Winchester brothers... Mm-hmm. Uh, were in positions where they had to decide, like, well, do we just kill this demon or do we try to expel the demon to save the person? Right, and right, right. Yeah. That depended on uh, were they friends with the person? Like, yeah, he's a stranger. Murder him. Kill the demon. Wait, it's Bobby. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna save Bobby. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm sure we'll be faced with that. Like, what do I do if I if I try to get the Yurk? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an interesting moral dilemma. Okay. Then we see. Another alien species, baby. Because in oh case you didn't have enough, now we get to meet the taxons. This is too many. I need a flip chart to track all of this. The taxons, the alien, uh, the Andalite warns them, uh, mentally speaking to him. By the way, he's still dying. <gasps> yeah. Uh, didn't have time to tell them about all the problems with morphing, but can talk about the ethical nature of the, the Andalite, uh, the, the, the Hork-Bajir and the taxons. But he says the taxons... Oh, they're evil. 
Okay. Well, it's very convenient that they're all showing up together, so we get to learn all about them. It's not convenient. Actually, it makes sense if you think about the nature of the Yurks. No, I get it. I, these, I, are, these are all controllers. They're, they're, yeah. yeah. I get it. Um, but I don't know. Something just really didn't sit right with me in the book where he's like, oh, hork Bajir, they're good people. Taxons, they're evil. Like, if you're supposed to be some high-minded alien species policing the galaxy... Maybe, like, labeling one entire species as being evil and one is, like, a good species, that's not the best move. I feel like you're looking for a lot of moral depth from a children's book. Who's not to say there's not, like, a couple (coughs) well-meaning taxons out there? Well, they get killed. It's fine. Go on. Not a lot of room for nuance is all. It just makes me uncomfortable because it makes me think of, like, uh, some anti-Semitic shit. But anyway, I'm getting too deep into it now. Basically, the taxons are like giant centipedes. However, they are over a dozen feet long. Ew. Yeah, your favorite. The first... Oh my god, full body shiver. The the first one-third of their body uh, sits upright. Okay. The rest is slithering behind them. Okay. Uh, Their front, they have four eyes. Okay. A ringed mouth full of sharp teeth. And a bunch of small lobster claw-like protrusions going down their body okay pretty gross yeah i'm yeah. not i'm not down um the hork controllers and the taxon controllers spread out in formation surrounding the andalite ship so let me just just so i know yeah, what we're talking about either it was a lot it was a lot so when it you say hork controller it's a hork being controlled by a yerk Right, Ratatouille style, yes. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So if it's just a hork they're just like good aliens. You are you are kicking that mic wire so many times. I'm not. Uh, yes, according to the Andalite, hork good alien, hork controller, uh, well-meaning alien taken over by evil alien. Got it. Okay, I'm with you. Go on. Taxons, however, just double evil. Evil yeah. alien taken over by an evil alien. Got it, got it. No, no moral quandary there. Got Shoot it. Shoot the taxon in the head. Okay. Hork-Bajir and Taxons surround the ship, and they hold heavy pistol-like weapons that I really hope shoot Dracon beams. I want more Dracon beams. <laughs> A hork comes into the area where the kids are hiding and is waving his gun around. The Andalite, again, telepathically warns them. While he's still busy dying, he says, be quiet. The hork excellent hearing, can't see in the dark for shit. Okay. The kids are fucking terrified. Mm-hmm. But the Andalite somehow sends them courage. Okay. What? Uh, oh, oh, wait. You're okay with everything else. You're okay with, with his 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 uh, evolutionarily implausible body. You're okay with the telepathy. You're okay with the, the magic cube that gives people morphing. But this is too much? I just don't like sentimentality. Okay. Well, the hork and Taxon controllers stand at attention as mm-hmm. the blade ship lands. Uh-huh. And out comes Visser Three. Okay. Who is an Andalite controller. Ooh. What does that mean, Shani? It means it's a blue Bambi taken over by a Yurk. Exactly. Our initial Andalite, who, by the way, I really wish was given a proper name at this point, says that Visser 3 is the only Yurk to ever take possession of an Andalite body. 
So Visitor 3 starts talking, and the kids can hear him in their heads as well, which makes the kids and myself wonder, what exactly are the rules to telepathic communication here? Like, can he hear they thoughts? Can he hear the thoughts the Andalites were broadcasting to them? I feel like the logistics weren't worked out very clearly. Well, luckily, believe it or not, Shawnee, the Andalite uh, is able to offer some exposition. Of course. He explains, while he's still dying, that they can hear his thoughts because he's putting them out on, like, broadcast mode. So he is sending his thoughts to everyone within hearing distance. He's okay, 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 got it, got it. He's got excited it. about it's this. It's AM different. radio. If you're near enough, you can right. hear it. Yeah, he's excited. He just captured this Andalite. He wants everyone to hear it. He's gloating. But apparently, he would only be able to hear their thoughts if both they were morphed and they specifically directed their thoughts at him. Got it. We will get much more into morph thought speak communication in a later episode hooray so vister three greets this andalite who we finally find is named prince alfangor serrani shumtul it's a shame he's about to die because that's a good name we'll call him alfangor alfangor vister three gloats about destroying the dome ship okay yeah Alfangor said that there will be other Andalites coming, but Visser 3 says by that time it'll be too late. Earth will be his. And then he won't be Visser 3 anymore. It'll be Visser 2? Visser 1. <gasps> Shoot for the moon. Oh my god, he's yeah. getting promoted over two steps? Who is number one? <laughs> that would be telling. But Alfangor says, but why? Why Earth? Why do you want to take over this shithole? Visser 3 explains, because humans are so weak. And there's so many of them. Billions. And the kids are just there like, we're right here. Well, yeah, yeah. We're well, see, right yeah, here. They're, they're still hiding. They're, they're shitting their pants. And uh, Visser 3 says, there's so many humans, they'll have to build a thousand new yerk pools just to raise yerks for half the number of bodies that they'll oh, take over. Oh, good God. I'm like, yes, let me get my list. Hang on. Sea space, dracon beams, yerk, yerk pools. pools. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. Prince Alfangor gets up, Visser 3 taunts him some more, saying that once Earth is conquered, he's going to personally take his human controller armies to the Andalite homeworld, or, as I misspelled it in my notes, to the Andalite homework, <laughs> and put his own lieutenants inside the head of Alfangor's family. Okay. Kind of a dick. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, the kids out there just like, oh my god, we were just like trying to play Pac-Man and go home, and now we're in the middle of an intergalactic S war. S sleaze troll. S I'm sleaze troll. Whatever. Elfangor tries to strike Visser 3 with his tail. Visser 3 dodges, and a beam from Elfangor's ships... Dracon beams? One can only hope. Shoots at one of the bug fighters. The bug fighters shoot Dracon beams back at the Andalite ship. There's all this weapon fire. Jake sees something even more bizarre than anything he's seen all day today. Oh, is it a respectful Republican man? In a way, it's <laughs> it's other humans. <laughs> there are other humans there. Yeah, yeah, we were near them all. You joke about that, but in my research on this topic... I did come across, there was a TV show 
called Brain Dead. Oh God! And it's another show. Have you ever heard of the show? I don't I, think so. I want to see it. Uh, it was like I think CBS in like the early two thousands, where people. This plot might sound sound familiar. People had little alien worms take over their brain and possess their body. Uh-huh. And they all went into politics. <laughs> and this explained the political divide in this country was it wasn't humans, it oh, was okay. two alien groups <laughs> fighting each other for control. It was That's how it feels like a lot right, of times. Right. Uh but no, there are like regular dudes there. Okay. You know, this this really takes Jake aback. Visser 3 orders the Hork Bajir to hold on to Elfangor because, once again, it's morphin' time. Okay. Visser 3 starts to grow larger and larger and larger. His four legs merge into two giant legs described as each one being the size of a redwood tree. Oh, oh okay. His arms sprout out of his body and become many tentacles. Gross. His head continues to grow and grow, and a mouth with sharp teeth, each tooth the size of a human arm, sprouts out of his mouth. I feel like someone should go investigate this construction site. <laughs> right, you think? But but how do we know they didn't already? Because they might be controllers too. That's yeah. the thing. you got to be paranoid in this world. The monster growls that was Visser 3. This monster reaches out, grabs Alfangor, and the team braces themselves for the worse. Visser three raises Elfangor over his head with one of his tentacles. Is he not dead yet? And opens his mouth. Oh, he's about to be. Oh, excellent. See, at this moment, Jake snaps. He can't take it anymore. He picks up a pipe and runs towards Visser three. Okay. I don't think this is going to do much good, but he needs to do something, right? Got it. The kids hold him back, though. Cassie's like, listen, dummy. This Andalite is dying so he can save us. Don't let his sacrifice be in vain. Jake looks over as Visser 3 drops Alfangor into his mouth and rips him into bloody pieces Gross. with his sharp teeth. Well, this is a fucking kid's book. Yeah, that seems intense. All the taxons start running towards Visser 3's body so they could eat up any scraps of Alfangor that fell to the ground. Ew. And the gang is watching this. This is a children's book. This is very weird. They're crying, and they put their hands over their eyes so they don't have to see what's happening in front of them. Why are they still there? Because they're hiding from all the hork <laughs> And they hear a sound, Shawnee. The sound of human laughter all around them. It's coming from the human controllers. Mm -hmm. And Jake, he recognizes one of those laughs. Oh! <gasps> That's a great time for a ad break or to end the podcast because this has gone a little long. We're going to pick up next week. Oh my goodness. Elfangor's dead. Kids Jake can morph. Jake recognizes the voice. I think Bruno's starting to get a little agitated in his crate. So this is a great time to end this podcast. What do you think of the story so far? It's very intense for a kid's book so far. Yeah, I think I think this is like the end of chapter four. Jesus. So it's like a thousand words. <laughs> it, it's written very concisely. Yeah, I'll, I'll say. Yeah. I mean, like, look look how thick this thing is. It's like 80 pages. We're, we're here. Yeah, we're like 15 pages yeah. in. Excellent. Are you, are you, 
what do you think about the characters? You're enjoying the story so far? Well, it's just, it's just like, it's so much expo that I'm going to need, like, an actual org chart. Yeah, it, it, and again, it's the first in a long series. It's important to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, yeah, I hope that you, Shawnee, enjoyed the first chunk of the first book in the Animorph series. And I hope that you, dear listener, enjoyed uh, the first episode of Circle Yerk. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for listening. We don't have a, a tagline yet, do we? No, I think it needs to come organically. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to support us, don't. We're, we're doing this because it's fun and we like to do it. Instead, please support artists like Benedict Cupstis, who made the theme song for this episode. You can check out his music at fieldguides.bandcamp.com. Uh, check it out. Thanks. All right, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.